0: Hey, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready Podcast. Today we have a really exciting episode for you. Come on and take a look. And welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy, and we have an exceptional guest with us today, Army veteran and Sergeant Major, Kyle Lamb. Kyle, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is awesome.
0: Yeah. So, um, Kyle spent some time and We'll and get into his story, um, in the army he has a great civilian job going now and also has a podcast. So we've got a lot of, a lot of neat things that we get to talk about today. Um, so Kyle, as I, as I do with all of my guests on the show, tell me a little bit about your military career and even like, what was the deciding factor to make you join the military? You know, what, what convinced yeah. you to, to make that decision and tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Well, I grew up as a, I guess you'd call me a half cowboy, half dirt farmer in South Dakota. So we, uh, it wasn't really a struggle, at least I didn't think it was a struggle at the time. I just thought that was, that's what every farmer rancher did. And uh, I love the horse side of it. I rodeoed, I met my wife through doing some horse judging and things like that. And then I just, I felt like I'm probably too lazy to be a farmer. (laughs) I better join the military or do something else. And I always liked adventure. So the military kind of spoke to me as a place to go. And I had a, a a few family members that had been in the military. And I thought, well, you know, that might be it. My wife, we weren't married at the time. She said, well, I don't really want you to go in the military. And I said, okay, well, I won't do it then. And she goes, well, a couple months later, she said, so you won't go in the military if I tell you not to. And I said, now nah, I'm in love. I'm going to be with you, Whatever. And she said, well, if you marry me before you go, then join the military if you want to do that. So we got married when, when we were 18 years old. And wow. We've been real. married for 34 years now. And uh, got two kids, two grandkids. We just, you know, it's, that's, that's a rare thing. Normally when I speak to military groups, I have to tell them, I go, yeah, I've been married 34 years. And they all kind of look at me and I go, to the same woman. And that's, you know, in the military, it can, can kind of be rough. But anyway, 18 years old, I joined the army. I end up with the 82nd Airborne. I was a paratrooper. I started out as a combo guy in an infantry outfit, and I really didn't know what I was getting into. But I really, once I actually got my feet on the ground in the military, I I loved it. You know, there were some ups and downs as you you know go to combat or lose your buddies or whatever. But sure. by and large, being in the military was just an unbelievable experience for me and it gave me an opportunity to get out of South Dakota not that that's a bad place to be but for a guy like me it it was a great opportunity to go and one travel the world I've been places where most people will never go see things that most people would never see and I've worked with people that that I mean I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people that if you worked with two or three people like that in your lifetime you'd be really blessed and I worked with just a, a bunch of really good men and women in uniform, and now that I'm out, I still, you know, I'm still, uh, I still kind of gravitate to the military and law enforcement guys. I've got a lot of friends that weren't military, but, but I end up a lot of times gravitating back, back to that. So yeah, so I went from uh, 82nd to Special Forces. I was telling you before we started that I was in Arabic language school when Saddam invaded the first time, so I went straight to Desert Shield, Desert Storm with 5th Special Forces Group. Or Green Beret—that's what some people would call us. Then I tried out for an Army Special Mission Unit at Fort Bragg. I made that and uh, went there, and I spent all but a year until I retired at that Special Mission Unit. I did have one year where I went out to uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, which is now Fort Lewis McCord. Right. I went out there with First Special Forces Group and met, you know, great people. And and I guess that's you, you know, if if uh, you know people out there that are military, they they understand that, but maybe some people that haven't. And they're kind of on the edge, and joining the military—it's just you can do whatever you want to do. And 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 just as in life, it's all kind of what you make it by how hard you want to work. And um, you know, there's there's so many options. If you don't, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to have a really good job, then I'd say go be in the air force, right? Because in the air force, it's going to be more like having a—it's it's, it's going to be a little bit closer to a job than going in, say, the Army. If you end up as an infantry guy or something like that, it's, it's, it's not really like anything you would do in the civilian world. Uh, same thing with Marine Corps, uh, Navy. I really don't know a ton about the Navy. I, I've served with some of the, the Navy SEAL dudes, but I don't know a ton about the Navy, but I can't imagine being on a boat with like 5,000 people, so I, I think I would skip that. But I had, a lot <laughs> of, I had a lot of interface. You were at the Air Force, right? Right. I had a lot of interface with the special ops guys in the air force and there's some of my special my my favorite operators were were uh cct and and pararescue guys because they had went through this whole pipeline to get where they're going so they were very very talented and super super smart individuals and uh was it you know they went on every target that we went on with the our special mission unit we had air force guys with us because they're the guys that are gonna call in the helicopters when we need them, or, or gunships and things like that. So, I, uh, I got some Air Force dudes that are near and dear to my heart. We Of course, we give the Air Force a bunch of crap, because that's what you do if you're in the military, but. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I, still, I, I still do miss being in the military after all those years. And uh, the first year was a little rough when I got out, because you, you realize that in the, civ- the civilian world, not everybody has the same mission focus. Whereas in the military, most of that mission focus is the same. In the civilian world, you kind of have to search for a group of people that will get on your team and, and have that, kind of, that same kind of focus. And, and you may have to look other places for that focus. You might have to look at your, you know, your church or, or just some dudes that you hang out with when you're not at work or whatever. But um, military is a great. It's just a great experience. Yeah. So did you do 20 years? I did 21 and some change. Okay. Yep. So I retired as an E-9 or Sergeant Major there. And um, when I first got out, you know, I got a little bit of money for, for um, disability. And then later on that got reevaluated. It was kind of funny because when I got my evaluation and that's one of the things, you know, if you're talking to, to, to people that are in the military fixing to get out, what I would tell them is make sure that VA process that you go through that while you're in the army, because when you get out, it's, super difficult to do it once you're out of the military so going to the you know try to get those va benefits rolling because when i i was lucky that i got a relook and got bumped up in my percentage and it was interesting because the first time they did it all the stuff that actually bothered me i didn't get paid for it was just all the (laughs) normal stuff you know the stuff that everybody gets that's what i got but the stuff that really bothered me my back and my eye and some other injuries i've had uh didn't get a penny for that. So then once I got it reevaluated, I was able to do a little bit better. And, and that, had, you know, some guys say, Oh, I don't worry about it. I'm, I don't care. Well, you should care because when you get out, those percentages count for, for a lot of different things. One, it could be for uh, insurance that you might have to pay uh, a, a low, get to pay a lower rate. Depending on that, you might have to pay or get to pay less taxes in your state uh, Tennessee is really good about that. There's no state income tax, and there's also uh, one of your vehicles you'll you can get the taxes taken off of that. Uh, your hunting and fishing licenses. I think I paid five or six dollars for my lifetime license in Tennessee. Wow. So there's a lot of benefits that y- y- you know people need to know about these benefits. You know, and I try to tell folks just get that done while you're still in the military.
0: Yeah, well, there's also. Um, you know, bringing it back to my business, there's a discount for getting on your VA loan if you have a rating, right? Right. So um, that funding fee from the VA is waived for life. So no matter how many VA loans you do, you never have to pay that fee, which, you know, can be substantial. I mean, they, because they enacted that Navy Blue Water Act uh, last summer, the VA funding fees all went up to take care of, you know, those Korea war and those Vietnam era veterans and get them some more, um, healthcare, but they had to pay for it somehow, right? So they increased the VA funding fee, and so for people that don't have a disability rating, that VA funding fee on your subsequent use, so your second or third time using the VA loan, if you're buying a house, is 3.6%. Oh wow! So that that stacks up to a lot of cash, you know, and being able to have that waived. The other thing um, is, you know, that the disability money is like is like pooled funds from the government so it's already allocated and so by raising your hand and and getting um your rating and stuff like that i've talked to some guys who are like ah you know i don't really feel like i need it and you know let's save it let someone else have it and stuff like that well it's a bucket of money that's available and you're just taking your deserved piece out of it Um, and it's not like they're going to go hit up taxpayers for more of it it's already allocated there's plenty there's usually left over every year and it's just going to waste.
1: Um, and if you don't need it, put it in the bank. I mean, put it in a bank right. account. It's, it's better than putting money in the stock market. It's, yeah. it's way better than that. And, and that's what we've been doing too. We both, my wife and I, uh, we do a lot of different stuff. I've, I've got a, uh, a TV show that, that uh, was on um, outdoor channel for a while. And now it's all on uh, uh, Amazon prime, you know, that's a little bit income writing books, that's a little bit of income, our business, you know, Viking tactics is the business my wife and I started. That's predominantly our income, but some of the, all of that adds up, but stuff comes and goes. And I think, like you said, you know, that bucket of money's there, put it, just put it away. If you don't need it, don't go out and, and, and overspend just because you got it. I would say put that money away for a rainy day because we're all going to have a rainy day at some time. And uh, I know for my wife and I, it, it it's amazing when you start to look at your bank account and see, oh wow, we've actually, cause when we got out of the military, we didn't have any money. And now we've been able to put some of that away. So when it's time for us to buy something, you know, if you need to get a loan, that's awesome. If you don't need to get a loan, that's awesome too. If you can, if you can avoid that, but uh, right. anyway.
0: Yeah, well, I think they made, they started to make that process a, a little more streamlined in the sense now when guys, you know, they're about six months from getting out, I think they do now start them through some of that right. um, review process and things to get that kick started. Um, just I think with some of the revisions they've done to the VA kind of healthcare system in the last couple years, noticed that you know a lot of their backlog and the wait times and things like that, they were kind of jamming up the system a little bit. There's a portion of that that were people who are out of the military and then starting to do their their claims and their benefit for that um, for disability when if they had started it earlier with like active duty doctors on base and stuff like that it can kind of thin out that waiting period i think that was one way they helped kind of um improve the system a little right right and i've heard it's i've heard it's pretty good so tell us um so you got out and did you immediately start your own business and the viking tactics or what did you do when you got out
1: so we, we had actually started our business before I got out we were selling a few products and there were products I had designed, you know, tactical products our, our flagship product was a sling. And so the Viking tactics sling, we we're selling a few of those. And then I started to uh, book classes for when I was going to retire. So by the time I got out of the military, I had 42 weeks of shooting classes booked. So when I, re- when I said, all right, Asta la pasta, I'm out of here. The next day I was on the road and I was teaching classes. Now 42 weeks on the range. I can tell you that's that's a little too much. I could barely hold a cup of coffee by the end of that because I had tendonitis so bad in my arm. But what it did, and, and this is what I would tell everybody getting out of the military, man, hit it like a drunk driver. I mean, get out there and go because when you first get out of the military, you're fresh, you're ready to do it. Get out there and build up your business when you can, especially if it's your own business. And if you're working for somebody else, I mean, I would recommend doing that too. But for us, you know, 42 weeks, I made a great paycheck that year for, for working 42, uh, 42 weeks on the range. It adds up uh, on, as far as time and it's great income. Ever since that first year, I've tried to do less and less classes simply because I, I can't, my body can't stand that. Our classes are very physical. Uh, especially with the military guys, you go train with a bunch of Marines. They don't care who you are, how old you are. If you got a broken leg, you're going to, it's going to be physical. So trying to keep up with these young guys, it's something that, you know, I've got to, I've got to do that every week that I'm on the range. So I backed off the classes a little bit. Our business went from my wife quit teaching school year before I got out because our daughter had graduated from high school. So she started running the business and then, The business has kind of done a flip flop. So it started out where 95% of our business was training and 5% was product. And now it's just the opposite where we got 95% product, 5% training or service. You know, and that's the other thing that you need to think about if you're starting a business, if you're starting a service business, service means you got to be there. You got to be standing tall and be right there every day. And that's not the case with product. So, uh, we we launched it it's been a huge blessing for us we we do a ton of business the covid has been awesome for us cuz i've been traveling less and we've been selling more um, oh there you I, go yeah i've been doing uh i forge i i forge knives and tomahawks and stuff and i uh i've been doing more of that it's kind of a new passion of mine something i can do getting ready for hunting season coming up there's a lot of, of fun things about actually being home and i would say that some folks in the military they you know, you're used to that, that nomad lifestyle. It does take a while to get over that because I still, I look out the window and I go, man, I should be doing something today. I should be out. I should be in some part of the world hunting or whatever. Um, I've hunted all of that. I told you about the TV show. If you go and check that out, it's called Viking Chronicles. And it follows me around the world hunting and doing tactical stuff. So everything from fishing in the Amazon, you know, retracing some of the steps of Teddy Roosevelt hunting in new zealand or africa or montana wyoming um just you know and we show everything we show the highs and then we show the lows so that's that was a fun kind of a fun experience for us the books if if people feel like they got a story to tell my books are instructional my first two books were shooting books and my third book is called leadership in the shadows and it's as you would guess a leadership book uh That was a fun process because we also did the Leadership in the Shadows as an audio book, and we all think, well, it's it's pretty easy to sit down and read a book by a microphone. That's one of the hardest things I've ever done to sit (laughs) down and try to read and make it sound the way that you want it to sound. So my son sat in the studio with me, and the guy uh, running the sound. He, my son, would give me the nod if it was good. If not, I'd start over. And some of those pages I read quite a few times to get it the way that that we needed it but uh yeah there's just so because
0: you people i mean audiobooks are quite the rave you know um but i never really thought about it until you mentioned like the time that goes into making your book an audiobook i mean the hours you must have spent just reading it must have been
1: huge well my wife she goes uh are you ready to do this audiobook and i said of course i'm ready i wrote the book you know what i mean i'm good and uh we were actually in bed and she goes do you have that book on your iPad? I said, yeah, that's how I'm going to read it for this. Th-. She goes, okay, read a chapter to me. So I read a chapter to her and I finish, and she goes, okay. And then she played it back. She recorded me. Oh. She played it back and I'm like, I sound terrible. <laughs> this is This is bad, you know? And she goes, yeah, you got to practice. It's like anything in life. You can't just go out and do it. When I do presentations, I do leadership in the shadow presentations and combat mindset training, and then some leadership and motivational stuff for businesses. And you can't just, you got to rehearse that. So just like reading a book, if you're going to read your own book, you still have to put the time in. And man, I read that whole book a couple of times out loud to myself, just to, just to, to make sure I kind of knew the flow and everything. And, and still I had to sit there with my son for, I think we, I think it took us like five days not full days, but five days in the studio to get the whole book uh recorded. And it, it was it was a challenge. But one of the the biggest feedbacks that we've got, we didn't we didn't launch the audiobook when we first put the book out. We just put the audiobook out about six or eight months ago. And the best, well not the best, but the feedback that we get is we really like it because you're the one reading it. And I noticed that too when I can pick up a book and it's the author's actually reading it, especially if it's something like that, where it's a a, a story. um, Mine is kind of a partial war story, a partial law enforcement story, a partial, you know, big business story and all about leadership. And it's, it's my story. So it it only makes sense that I'd be the guy telling it.
0: Yeah, no, I've I've heard some audio books and it's, it's definitely not the author reading it. Sometimes it's hard, at least for me, sometimes it's hard to stay engaged with that like okay forget it i'll just read the book at this point you know um so that's really cool yeah i've, I've never thought about it. tell me about the tv show how did that come to be like how, did, did you go seeking like to do this no. show or did you get found or how did that work
1: i just i leave kind of a a vapor trail of smoke and destruction behind me and i guess they <laughs> thought that would be fun to to see the the debauchery there and i shouldn't say debauchery because that implies that it's illegal most of the stuff we do is completely legal. It's just really fun and we end up getting, banged, you know, banged up or whatever. Um, so the way it started, I got asked to go on a show. It's been quite a few years ago. They asked me to come on a, an episode of Guns and Ammo TV, which is, is on the Sportsman's channel. And it's a great show, but it's, it's, it's not for everybody, you know, it's, and it's not the, the way that it was filmed in the format wasn't this big, epic, high quality thing. They had some really cool slow-mo and all that, but it wasn't, it just wasn't the big epic shots and all that. So I went on there and I filmed and that night we were out eating chow and this guy asked me, he said, uh, Jim Bequette, who's the, the producer of that show, he said, so what other shows are you on? I said, I'm not on any shows. He goes, you're not on any TV shows. Well, you're, you're natural in front of the camera. And I said, well, I've done a lot of video work because we've we've released a line of DVDs that shooting instruction and tactical stuff. And and I kind of figured out a long time ago, one, I I like to public speak because it makes me nervous. I like to be nervous. I like to be challenged. I like it. I like to be put under the gun like that. <clears throat> so he goes, Well, you're pretty good. You know, we ought to see about having you come on the show. Okay, whatever, man. I mean, I got a full time job, but you know, if you want to do it, we'll we'll talk and I'll see what you pay uh, because for me, it wasn't about exposure because I already had enough exposure with our business. So it was more about if I do this, will it actually, can we make some money at it? Right. So he told me what the day rate would be. They brought me on the show. And I, I believe at first when I went on the show, I was just doing some segments. And then after I did that for maybe six months, he came to me and he goes, we want to make you the host of the show. And I'm like, what are you going to do with this other guy? He goes, well, he's going to host too. You're going to both host the shows and that way we can split up the season and it'll make it a little bit easier on both of you guys. So I I worked with a guy named Craig Boddington on this show and he's been around the shooting industry and he's former Marine guy, officer, uh, good dude. We, we We get along very well and it was a very good experience. Well, while this was going on, we had filmed a Street Fighter DVD, which is fighting in and around vehicles and how to proper use of cover and what happens when you shoot a windshield with a bullet and things like that. And the guys that filmed that, they said, we ought to do a show with you. And I'm like, whatever, man. And they go, no, we ought to, we really ought to film a show with you and do some stuff. So they decided, yeah, we want to do this. And I said, well, I'm not paying for this. I don't need a TV show. I got a job. And they go, no, we'll pay for it. And then we'll pay you as a, as the, the guy, you know, and, uh, so the first thing we filmed that, and I didn't get paid for it. We went on a, a hog hunt from helicopters in Texas and awesome. we, we killed exactly zero hogs, <laughs> the Helicopter never saw a single pig from the helicopter, total waste of time. And I came back and I'm like, well, there you go. There's your TV. I don't know what you're going to do with this. So then it, it just kind of stayed, uh, rolling like that. And then, one day the the folks at outdoor channel approached this producer and said we need a guy that can do something that's kind of high energy and kind of an adventure show and hunting and fishing or you know shooting or what do you think and he goes oh i got the guy this guy Kyle Am will do this thing and he does his just day to day life is an adventure so uh, i do a lot of archery hunting so i like to hunt archery elk go out west a lot and hunt and and any, any kind of hunting that's legal or open, I'm, I'm, I'm game for it. Um, everything from one of my favorite hunts that I've ever been on is we have, uh, we have uh, carpenter bees in Tennessee. And taking a tennis racket and trying to track down carpenter bees before they drill holes in the side of your building. It sounds stupid, but it's a good hunt. It's a lot of fun. Or uh, we went out to uh, eastern Oregon and we killed 2,600 jackrabbits in a couple days. 2,600 Dang. with me and a, a SWAT a team. The SWAT team invited me to go out there. Well, we filmed all that. And people just love it because, you know, now that's a success because we're out there helping this farmer to kill these jackrabbits because they're eating all the alfalfa that the, the cows should be eating and they're drinking the water that the cows should be drinking. Then we go to Africa and we talk about, you know, what's going on over there and, and, and see the, the real side of Africa, not a lot of the, the fake you know you see everything in the news is oh we gotta stop killing lions and we gotta stop doing this in africa and you go over there and they're like well if you stop hunting in africa the africans are just going to kill all the lions because then they're of no they're of no value because they don't like lions lions kill people you know what i mean so they're right. big fans of them uh we hunted uh down in new zealand you know seeing what they what they've got cooking down there, uh, going into the Amazon. That was a, a a great trip. So we just, the outdoor channel, we went on the show. Uh, we did that. And the first year that I was on the, that network, we won the top, uh, shooting show.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: So that was kind of cool. And, you know, get to go up on stage and, and get this award. And and it, it was just, it was kind of a cool event. And then, uh, we did it the next year, and then now what we've done is we've put, we've stopped doing it on the outdoor channel because it's, it's super expensive to be on TV, whereas putting stuff on Amazon Prime, uh, this stuff has all been aired before, so we own it. So we put it on Amazon Prime, or I should say the, the producer did, and now you all can just go and watch it for free. You can watch all this craziness that we do and, and check it out. There was another show I was on too, uh, Peterson's Hunting Adventures. I did that because a friend of mine had passed away and they needed somebody to fill in for him. So I went on a couple hunts on that show. That was a, that was a lot of fun too. But I would, I will tell you this, people that think, oh, I want to get a TV show, be careful what you ask for, because being on a TV show is a lot of work. It's not a lot of pay unless you really, really, really get famous. And if you really, really get famous, I think your life is probably going to start sucking pretty bad.
0: Yeah, Um, I would imagine
1: you know, I, I made a fair a fair paycheck doing that, and and here's the thing. I don't want them to hear this, but I was going to go on those adventures anyway, so why not have the camera follow me? And the, and the thing is, the camera guys that went with me were amazing dudes. They were guys that go film the Olympics. They were guys oh, wow. that, that have uh, – one of the guys, he uh, was the director of photography when they did the big uh, – when the Japanese were – they filmed them killing a bunch of, uh, was, I think it was dolphins. And he was the director of photography for that. He ended up winning an Academy Award or something for that whole deal. And I mean, these are, these are they're the best people in the business out there. And they're running around in the mountains with a, a camera. So they got a thirty forty dollars $40,000 camera, sometimes more than that. You know, one of the cameras that we use to catch bullets flying through the air. You know, some of those cameras are a couple hundred thousand dollars. So they, uh, they're lugging that stuff through the mountains, not that high speed camera, but it's, it's really fun to see, uh, to see how that's done, see behind the scenes and doing drone work. And um, we had a great time.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And you have, you have a podcast going as well, right?
1: Yeah, I do a podcast called the Team VTAC Podcast. Uh, we, we just get people that I'm hanging out with and get them on there. So we've had everything from, Well, sad to say, this past week, Charlie Daniels passed away. Um, Charlie Daniels was on my podcast. I became friends with his manager, and then I became friends with Charlie Daniels, so I was able to have him on the podcast. We've had uh, a lot of hunters, shooters, blacksmiths, um, people that run firearms companies. We've had um, MMA fighters. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee, I'm sure you've heard of Black Rifle Coffee. So yeah. Evan, Evan Hafer, the owner of that company, is a very good friend of mine. So we've had him on a couple times. Tom Davin, who used to be the CEO of, of uh, 5.11 Tactical, he was a um, he, he was like the COO of Panda Express. He was uh, high wow. in the hierarchy of, of uh, Taco Bell on the board of Oakley. D- just did a lot of things. Well, he left when he left Five Eleven. He went to Black Rifle Coffee as well, and now he's trying to set up some of their franchises and stuff that they're doing. And it, that's a guy that you really should have on too. Evan Hafer, great guy, great story about you know being a military dude and getting out. He didn't retire; he actually got out, went to work for the agency, and then stopped doing that, and and he started Black Rifle Coffee, and they're crushing it. I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. I love following them. I I have their coffee on auto ship to my house. So yeah, um, yeah.
1: I'm, you I'm should a fan. Do it. Yeah. You know, have you uh, – are you on their exclusive program? I don't know. <laughs> okay. They, they do – so they do that shipment to your house, but I just got on the exclusive program, and they actually do a, a Berserker blend that has a big Viking on it for our company, and, oh, okay. and they sell that. And uh, so they did this exclusive one, and I thought, eh, I'll try that out. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I love their coffee, but this exclusive – every couple weeks you get a pound you don't get as much as you do with the other program but it's like this special coffee and it's uh the first one I got it had a picture of a uh, a bear in an astronaut uniform with the American flag and I'm like what is this flying bear or something they called that coffee it was just amazing but yeah Evan you should have him on because he's 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 a wealth of knowledge as a businessman and he's a great guy great family dude as well as Matt Best and and JT they are the other two owners of Black Rifle Coffee Matt's a former army ranger and JT's a former special ops uh, air force guy and awesome they're just great 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 guys they're a little crude sometimes but they're uh
0: that's all right they're funny I mean I watch their videos they crack me up
1: yeah, they do a they do a great job. But yeah, hanging out with them, we're actually going to go hunting this fall. We're going to go hunt some uh, cow elk in Wyoming. Evan and I are going to go hunt together, so that'll be fun, and we'll probably do a little bit of filming or something there. But uh, yeah, and there, you know, there's a lot of other guys out there. There's a there's a guy that retired not that many years ago. His name is Jack Carr. He's a former SEAL that is a writer now, and he started his first book was Terminal List. Amazing. I mean, just an amazing book. And now he's he's working on his fourth book as we speak. And each one of these books, he's just crushing it. And he's, and he, he's become like a household name. If you're into reading, you know Brad Thor and Brad Taylor, another friend of mine who's a former military officer. Uh, he was in the army with me. He uh, he's really crushing it. Brad Thor, who he wasn't in the military, but he did some other stuff. He's a, a neighbor of mine here. And then of course, like I said, Jack Carr, another guy. Um, Definitely, you know, whatever your passion is, when you get out of the military, man, you can do whatever you want to do. So if you want to write, you want to roast coffee, you want to uh, go travel the world and hunt and have somebody film it, I'm sure you can convince somebody to follow you around with a camera. Sure, um, yeah. You know, and then the other thing too that I tell a lot of guys, sometimes you just got to get a regular J-O-B, you know, there's there's great jobs working at Lowe's or, wherever you know you can you don't have to be out and have some big fancy title you can just do what a lot of people do in america and and they pay pretty well too you know become a welder become a plumber i mean welders and plumbers they, crush they clean it. up yeah, oh, yeah they do absolutely. really well yeah and and you can get the the uh the military will pay for that schooling Go and do it. I mean, you don't have to go to college. You can go to a trade school and do the same thing. So anyway, I guess you already know all that, but uh, you know, the the people out there that are watching, hopefully they'll, uh, you know, get motivated, do whatever you want to do. If you want to make a bunch of money, I would say become a welder. (laughs) If, uh, (laughs) if if you want to brew coffee, then do it. That's probably a little harder road to hoe than being a welder. But you know, there's a lot of opportunities.
0: Yeah. I mean, the sky's the limit, I think. you know, you're kind of mentioning, you know, it's, it's really just having that, that purpose and, and surrounding your people with that same kind of drive. Right. And, and you can do it. At, one of the cool things about corporate America now versus, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago is they're much more apt to go after that military, that former military person. Yeah. Um, because now I think, I think the rest of the civilian world has finally caught on to like how well the military trains their people, oh, yeah. right. You know, to be good workers, and, uh, you know, and follow orders well and, and do what they're told and, and, and uh, you know, cheer on that mission of whatever it might be the corporate mission of the company, right? Um, and so they, they build in us kind of that, that drive and determination for those things. And it's really nice that, you know, the companies like Lowe's you mentioned and others are, now I mean, they seek out veterans and, um, and rightfully so. I mean, I think, you know, nine times out of 10, it's going to make the company better, uh, getting good people.
1: I always tell the the guys that are getting out now, a lot of them think that they're going to walk up and say, you know who I am? Give me a lot of money because I was this special ops guy. Now, if you're a SEAL, yeah, that's going to work. But as an Army special ops guy, and we're supposed to be the quiet professionals, we we don't get automatically paid, you know? And we don't have the fancy hairdos that SEAL guys have either. But (laughs) what I would say to these guys is, don't tell them how good you are. Show them how good you are. Because if you go in there and start talking smack, that, that just makes all of us look bad. Go in there, be a quiet professional, and use everything the military taught you. Use that military decision-making process. Use you know uh, whatever your planning process. How would you plan an operation? It's the same way that you would plan a business venture, except for in a business venture, the worst thing that can happen is you might lose some money. In a combat mission, people get killed. So if you take it as serious as that combat mission, you'll be able to quickly show them what your capabilities are. And and if you were in the Army for five years, you've got it. Or I shouldn't say Army, in the military. If you were in there for five years, you, you have some institutional knowledge that you may not know that you have. If you're in for 10 years, I absolutely guarantee that you can lead all those people from the front. If you've been in 15 or 20 years now we got to be careful that you haven't got lazy because you got into that elevated ranking position and you quit doing your job and you think that you're going to do that on the civilian side, hey I got a I got a uh, a rude awakening for you when you get out in the real world, you have to work to get paid. And you know yeah. that. I mean, yeah. you got to bust your butt to do to go out and make some money.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't get a salary or a regular paycheck. It's you know, you, you eat what you kill. And yeah. uh, yep. you know it's and you know, it's, it's running my own business, doing mortgages, you know, no different than, you know, the black rifle coffee guys or you, I mean, you know, you're running your own shop. So, you know, yeah, you don't have to show up to work, but your paycheck will reflect you not showing up. Right. I mean, you got to get after it you got to work hard. Um, absolutely. Um, the question I had for you is, um, you know, is there anything like from your special ops days, any, any cool stories or anything that, that stick in your mind that you could share with us?
1: Well, uh, I was on a mission one time um, in Mogadishu, Somalia, and they made a movie about it called Black Hawk Down. So that mission kind of (laughs) is always the first mission that comes to mind when I think of, of things that have happened. Um, What that did for me, I was a young soldier at the time. I was in the unit, get over there. We're trying to catch this terrorist dude. You know, he's a, a thug and, uh, the whole planning process, we, we kind of thought we, we knew what we were doing. And some of the old timers, they were pretty good at that planning process. But some of those younger guys, we hadn't done that enough to get, uh, be as effective as those guys were. So we had to work on the planning. And I think that's probably the lesson learned. Yeah, you know, you gotta know how to shoot. We, we definitely needed to know how to shoot. We definitely needed to have our our medical skills. I was at the, the first crash site, Super 6-1. That helicopter was shot down and and both the pilots were killed. That was the bird I was on and had infilled from. And then after I was on the ground, it had gotten shot down. So we knew we were going to fight our way to that, protect that aircraft until we could get people in there to get the bodies of the pilots out because one of the pilots was pinned inside that wreckage. So that's shoot, move, and communicate to get there. But right away when we get there, there there's a young ranger, Jamie Smith, who was shot high in his femoral artery. He's the first guy that I had to work on. And that medical training that we had was paramount. Shooting is awesome, and and, and you need to do that. And driving is awesome, or walking is awesome, because you're going to do that on every mission you go on. But if you want to have mission success, you better have your contingency planning squared away. And, And what is contingency planning? contingency plans are for when you fail so every mission that we went on we planned on failing and a lot of guys don't like to hear that but that's the truth a failure is when one of your guys gets shot a success is when you have a contingency plan and you start providing first aid and you know what you're doing you know how to uh, uh, put direct pressure on that wound you know how to apply a tourniquet you know back in those days we didn't even carry tourniquets think about that that's 1993 And people said, oh, you don't want to carry a tourniquet. Now every soldier carries one, normally two or three with them. So those lessons learned, I think, uh, that battle provided a lot of lessons learned that are still being used on the battlefield. Uh, You know, there's other crazy stuff that's happened to me since on the other tours I've done to Iraq. I've never been to Afghanistan. I still got hope that somehow I'll get, I'll find a way to get over there to do something. But um, in Iraq, we, we, that was a a bit of a different mission than Mogadishu. Not every single person wanted to kill us in Iraq. Mosul, Iraq, I spent most of my time up there. And when you look at the people in Mosul, it's not all, you know, angry Muslim terrorists that want to kill you. There's also some decent Muslims. And there's also a big, well, there used to be a big uh, group of Christians up there too. Now, most of them have left since ISIS was in there. But you had to treat those missions a bit different because not everybody in the street was trying to kill you so you you couldn't just go in with this overwhelming force and mow down everything in front of you because they're not all bad you know you could have innocent women and children and, and dads or whatever there too so right. um yeah it's uh i don't know i think every mission you go on you you know you learn something i i did figure out in in somalia uh, i'm a christian so i was praying you know, Lord, you know, get me through this. But more than that, you know, don't don't let me be a coward. I want to, you know, die like a man here. Well, somehow I made it through that fight. And then later on when I got to Iraq, you know, as a leader, your, your self-preservation kind of changes, at least it did for me. I quit worrying so much about myself because I, I knew that I was going to be protected by my vehicle or by the guys around me or whatever. But what I was praying for then was that my guys didn't get, banged up you know right and uh you know you're doing dangerous stuff ieds everywhere and and bad guys wanting to shoot at you it's it's a it's it's the for real deal so we we had a we had an interesting time there i will tell you i'll tell you iraq war story real quick okay i kind of like war stories that end happily so this one will end pretty happily we went out we did a uh i'll call it a night of the long knives you know where we went out and hit a bunch of different buildings, rolled up a bunch of different people, bring them back we kind of sort through to make sure who's bad, who's not. And then we've got the mission to take the good people back. So we go out to the airfield, standing there with the medic and I'm like, okay, what's, what's the plan here? He goes, all right, Sergeant so Major, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna load them in the helicopter, strap them in, you know, put the safety straps on. We're gonna close the doors, which we never did. And then we're gonna fire up the bird fly them out there, land, open the doors, let them all go to their houses and hopefully they don't hate Americans after this. Roger that, sounds good. So one of the soldiers comes walking up to me, he goes, hey, we need to give these guys earplugs, which didn't even dawn on me like, yeah, helicopters are freaking loud, you know? Yeah, very loud. So, uh, so sitting in the, you know, sitting underneath that engine of a UH-60, it's, it's loud and we've all got our, our Peltor hearing protection on, so we're good. So the guy goes, okay, I got it. So he runs and he gets one of those big candy jars of earplugs, you know, the colored earplugs. Right. And he goes down the line and he's giving every person two earplugs. And I'm like, okay. I, f- I kind of feel good like, hey, we did the right thing. The SF guys are supposed to take care of the locals. We took care of them. We gave them earplugs. And then I look down the line and they're all doing this. <laughs> they ate all the earplugs
0: oh my goodness that's hilarious
1: they all ate the earplugs and what you know if everybody ever asked me did you give those people earplugs yes we did and then i would stop right there i wouldn't tell them that these guys ate them but i'm, I'm like what so what do you do now now you've got 20 people standing in there and they've just swallowed earplugs what would you <laughs> tell them you know so uh there you go there's your there's your Iraq war story you know it's not all it's it's not all bad you know we, there were some bad things that happened but you know funny things like that too happen and we uh we always tried to not take ourselves too serious when we weren't out on a mission because there's plenty of time to be serious you know
0: yeah yeah there is and, and you need that you need that emotional and that mental break once in a while oh, yeah. yeah so you can be sharp when it's when it's time to turn it on you can flip it on. You just can't be on all the time. Even in, even in the professional world, you know, the business world, you just can't be on all the time. There, there's no glory in never turning it off. Um, yeah. Cause that's where you hit burnout. Right. And you can become inefficient.
1: Yeah. you know, on the other side of that though, I also think as a business owner, people need to realize that I, I agree with you on that. You need to know how to tune it down and go fishing or play with your kids or do whatever that, you know, remember that your kids are more important than any job you can ever have any job. Um, I mean, the only job that could come close to that would be being a preacher or something. I mean, you might have a a higher responsibility there, but other than that, your children are should be your highest responsibility and then your grandkids or whatever. Um, but as a business owner, dude, it's, it's on you. Like you said, you got to get motivated. You got to get up and, and, and get out there and start shaking a tree to make it happen because the fruit's not going to fall out by you just standing there hoping that it falls on your, on your head. Um, and if you're blessed enough to do something that you love to do, and, and maybe that's, you know, you look at what I do. I'm kind of scatological. I'm all over the map. I've got the same attention span as a squirrel. So I go to a TV <laughs> show. I write a book. I do DVDs, I've got a business, I design products, I do consulting, do a podcast, I do all this stuff. Why do I, why am I all over the map? Because I like all those things. Now I'm forging knives and forging tomahawks and building, you know, I've built guns before, custom 1911s, well now I'm building a flintlock rifle because it's this work of art. And whatever you can do to keep, and for me it's, if I keep my hands busy, that's important. But more importantly than that is keeping your brain busy. And especially for military people that have some issues, uh, post-traumatic stress, TBI, those aren't made up. That's legit stuff. And it's all right here. And and I I mean, it's not just psychologically, uh, it's physiological as well, but it's, it's in your brain. So continuing to have that mission and focus on stuff that takes your mind away from that. I'll I'll give you an example. I was having a really bad bunch of headaches. And I went to the doctor because my wife was like, you're going to the doctor because you may have something wrong with your brain. You know, So uh, take me in there, doctor says, how do you sleep? And I said, I sleep great. My wife goes, no, he doesn't sleep very good at all. So he goes, well, I'm gonna give you something to help you sleep. So it gives, my, gives me this prescription. I go and I fill a prescription and I come home and I look up what the prescription is. It's an antidepressant. There's no way I was gonna take that pill. You would, have, you would have had to hold a gun to my head to get me to take that pill. Now I'm not telling you that antidepressants are bad. I'm just saying that I'm not gonna take it unless there's something that tells me I really need to take that. So what's yeah. going to help, you know, what can I do other than the antidepressant? My wife goes, you're not going to take that. No problem. You're taking something, to, something to help you sleep. So I started taking Advil PM. So it helps you with your aches and pains, but it also has something in, in there to, to let you relax a little bit, to go to sleep. You can get ZQIL, you know, without doing something that is addictive. My headache started to go away. Well, then I had it. I had a, a, a um, brain, uh, what do they call it? They stick you in the pipe there, the MRI scheduled. I went to take that MRI, and they got ready to put me in that tube. I couldn't do it. I could, I've could. i been in all kinds of tight spaces. I've never been claustrophobic. I couldn't go in that stupid thing.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: and I told the guy, I said, I, I just can't do it. And it was just, oh, this this guy was just amazing. This guy was about a foot taller than me, this big black dude, just as nice a man as you could ever ask for. He's like, Hey, man, you've been through a lot. You don't have to do this if you don't want to do it. And I'm like, thanks, I, I can't do it. So I walked out of there and I was crushed. Because in my whole life, everything that I've ever attacked, I've been able to complete. Maybe, you know, I got set back or whatever, but I'd never been scared, so scared that I couldn't do something. And that that just jacked me up. So a couple weeks later, I'm up doing some training and I ran into a guy that I served with in Mogadishu, Somalia. He was a ranger and I was with the unit. We got to talk and he goes, well, how you been? I said, oh, I've been having some headaches. He goes, yeah, you know, I've, they went to check out my neck. This guy had been shot a few times. And he says, I went into that and went in to do an MRI and it didn't go so well. And I said, oh, dude, let me tell you about my MRI. So I just told him what happened. And he's like, that's exactly what happened to me. No okay. kidding. So now here's how I took that because <laughs> I try to, I want to make myself feel good. I felt like, okay, I couldn't do it because two weeks from now, I'm going to be talking to this guy and it'll be a good way for me to say, I couldn't do it either and make him feel better. Or was it him that was doing that for me? So the bottom line is I've, I've had several guys now, veterans that have told me that they've had trouble going in that MRI machine. And all of us have talked about it so that we can figure out how to then go back and conquer that fear. So just think about that. Here I am. I'm this SF dude. I've done everything on the planet and I'm scared of going into a stupid MRI. What do you think about somebody that has post-traumatic stress? What's going on in their head? TBI, what's going on? These people have headaches that they just can't get away from or or, or they're having issues. You know, they can't remember what. This is called a what? Finally, they remember it's called a pen, you know, because they can't get that cognitive side of their brain to work. Um, The way I finally kicked that is I went in there and the the doctor, he gave me uh, something to relax me, gave that to me to take the next time I went in. So as I'm driving in that day to take my MRI, my wife is driving and she says, she holds that pill up and she goes, you gonna take this pill so you can get through this MRI? Or are you just gonna be a man? And I had to sit there, here's, you know, think about that around your family, you wanna be the man, you wanna be the dad, you wanna be the grandpa or whatever it is. And she's, she called me out and I'm like, I wanted that Valium or whatever it was. I really wanted it because I knew that that would put me down a notch so I could go in there and have no problem, and I'm like, no, I don't want that pill. So we walked in that MRI, and that dude walks out. It's the same guy, and I look up at him, and I said, I am so happy to see you, and he goes, yeah, I bet, and I said, dude, I've been thinking about you every day for the last month, and he's like, that's kind of weird. And I said. <laughs> I have been because you're, you were so nice to me and today I'm going to get in there and I'm going to conquer this. So I go in there, my wife stood right beside me. They laid me down on that table. And the thing that I didn't like was they had to put, since they were doing my brain, they had to put this face thing on and I got a big head. That thing was smushing against my beard and my face. So it's, you're, you're like caged in on this thing. And uh, they caged me in and I'm like, And my wife stayed right there by my feet. She had her hand on my leg the whole time. And they put me in that MRI thing. And they started going. Once I got in there, I was fine. It was just the the act of getting in there. So I guess, you know, the the moral of that story is, you know, we're going to have, there's going to be things that are going to be difficult. And for me, it made me look at other guys around me and gals around me that have post-traumatic stress, TBI, and start to think, okay, if they're having issues like this, what can I do to help them? Because it's real because I couldn't go in that stupid thing. Now, you know, if I went in there today, I don't know, I think I can do it, but you don't know until it really happens. I'm not scared of the dark. I'm not scared of crawling through culverts or anything like that, but whatever it was about that MRI, you know, kind of got to me. So I guess my point there is, you know, get the, get the help you need if you need it. Uh, we talked, uh, um, Talk to dylan a little bit before we got going with the show and, and there's a place down in texas warrior's heart that i'm with the board a, a friend of mine started warrior's heart him and a couple other folks and what they do is they treat post-traumatic stress and a drug and alcohol addiction and what's cool about it is when you roll in there it's just us so it's law enforcement military and first responders nobody else so you know you were in the air force and i was in the army well guess what we got something in common and I can sit across the circle from you and look you in the eye and I can call you out because I know exactly what you did in the Air Force and you know exactly what I did in the Army. But if, if you just got some dude over there that's a drug dealer or whatever that he's, he or she doesn't understand what you've been through, it just disrupts that whole, that whole circuit. With Warrior's Heart, what it does, is it gets everybody, all those excuses are gone. You're around your own kind. You can say anything you wanna say. And they do, trust me, they, they, they say whatever they want to say. Um, and we've been able to stop some of the suicides. You know, there's still some that we haven't been able to save, but it's a great facility. Tom Spooner is the guy that, that, that I know that, uh, that I served with that, that kind of got that up and running with the help of a couple other folks. And, um, you know, if guys need help, go and we've never turned anybody away so go to the warriors heart webpage or go to viking tactics hit contact us send us an email we will get you squared away um, if you have insurance that'll help if you don't have insurance don't worry about it we'll we will we'll make it make it work my wife and i have also started a 501c uh, excuse me a 501c3 called uh, stay in the fight foundation and we ours isn't for military and law enforcement it's for any human being but we uh, we've been helping a few folks through our organization as well, which is, is, is uh, feels pretty good when when somebody's in need and you can, you can fiscally help them. Um, yeah. And with our organization, like I said, you don't have to be law enforcement or military, but you do have to have a job, and you know we're going to pay a bill for you. we're, we're going to pay the bill. We're not going to give you the money and trust you with it. We're going to go pay that bill. But it's been good. We've done everything from helping some ladies that are behind on rent, that are working moms, uh, to an SF friend of mine that he never asked for this, but he had one of his uh, one of the supplements he needed for his TBI injury. The army wouldn't pay for, so we were able to just pay for that, no strings attached. Because awesome, the decision making process ends with my wife and I. Period. That's it. And then the other thing too, before we started this. I told my wife, I'll do it. But every bit of this money goes to help those that need the help. You know, there's no admin fees or anything like that. And, and the way it came about, my wife uh, went in for back surgery, and they wouldn't allow us to do the surgery because her VA benefits wouldn't cover the surgery. Oh. So wow. imagine, imagine this, you know, here's this, here's a, a young soldier, let's say that you're a E4, E5. You go in to get surgery and they say, we're not going to do it because your the VA is not going to pay for this. And then guess what they do? They hand them a prescription drug, oxycodone, and they tell them to go home and take these. So my wife took that for a week. She took it for seven days and it took her two months to get her, to get like back to be herself. Yeah, so think about so this. With you. Yeah, man. Think about this GI that, 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 that goes in there, some young kid that's hurt his back on a jump or whatever, and they give him that. Now he's addicted to that. He can't get off of that. So, you know, when, when uh, we were lucky because I went down and got a checkbook, I wrote a check for her surgery that day. And, and I was very thankful because when I got out of the military, we couldn't have done that. And I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm definitely not bragging. I'm just saying that's the fact. When I got out of the Army, we didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. We just didn't have a lot of money we still don't have a lot of money, but at least we had enough that I could write a check to, to pay for that surgery. Um, and then they came back and they said, well, she should have got acupuncture for six months. So then we said, well, acupuncture, when did that become a legit thing? Anyway, long story short, it took us about 10 months. We finally got reimbursed. Um, I went in to get acupuncture, which I've never done before, and I was having some arm issues. I went in for acupuncture and I tried to claim it for the VA and they said, we don't pay for acupuncture. And I'm like, wait a minute. A year ago you said my wife should have had acupuncture, but you w- you know what I mean? It's like this self licking ice cream cone. Right. So it's uh you got it, man, you got to get in there and fight for it. And like I said, uh, the VA is awesome, but sometimes the VA is not so awesome. So you got to sure. have a plan. And And if you have issues, reach out to us, Reach out to Warriors Heart. There's a lot of organizations that can help people out. You, I mean, I'm I'm sure you know a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think well, you touched on a topic that I have a lot of passion for, which is you know the PTSD thing, and um, you know it's it's finally become something that's a little bit more accepted. I think um, just in the in the world, but you know more so in the military world um, for people where before. Um, it was such a hush hush thing and no one wanted to admit or they had something going on or didn't know what it was that was going on and um, so it's it's pleasing to me to hear that you're on you're you're part of that group that helps with that and I've I've met so many other organizations and people that are helping in, in different ways to you know um, overcome some of the PTSD issues and it's, it's really really cool um, I think there's a lot of a lot of help that's needed there and a lot of these guys you know it's you know stuff going on in your brain and you, and you can't fix it on your own and um you know the oxycodone and you know which leads to other stuff it just you know that starts to destruct your life and um that's not worth it right um so yeah that's that's really great and thank you for doing that
1: yeah and i think if, if guys will guys and gals will just reach out both ways if you're having trouble just tell somebody just let us know what's going on. we'll try to help now, like I said, we can't save everybody I mean there's we're going to do the best we can, but we we also if you're one of those people that are, are helping folks, just if something bad happens there there is there are some people you can't save. The other side of that is if you're the person that needs the help we're we're here. all you got to do is turn left or right and just say, "I need help, and we will help you. that doesn't mean i'm going to come and pay your rent or I'm gonna come and do your job for you. No, I'm gonna help you get through this tough time because we all struggle with that. You know, we've all lost friends, whether you lost friends when you're actually serving or you've lost friends that have been killed in combat, you know, since then or whatever. Um, And it's it's normal to think about those guys. It's normal to, to be ultra vigilant. That's what we've been taught to do by the military. So don't think that's bad. But if you're feeling like you're struggling, like I said, look left and right. You're surrounded by, by military people in America. You can't swing Absolutely. a dead cat without hitting some veteran. I mean, we're everywhere. So just reach out, we're, we'll, we'll help you any way we can.
0: That's awesome. Well, um, Kyle, I really appreciate you being on the show today and uh, taking out some time to share those great stories and uh, just all the neat stuff that you're doing. Um, it was really fun. And it's great to learn a little bit more about you and your past. And for anybody that um, wants to connect with Kyle or any of the endeavors that he's involved in uh, from the nonprofit stuff or whatever, um, go ahead and reach out to either of us. And you can reach me at uh, valoanguy.us. But Kyle, thanks so much. Thank you to our our audience for listening and watching today. We appreciate you and look forward to uh, showing you our next episode of the and Ready Podcast.
1: Take care. Thank you so much. God bless America. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for checking into the podcast today. Please like and subscribe below. If you
0: would like more information about anything we covered today, please visit me at valoanguy.us. Thanks, we'll check you next time.